Hello, listeners. So today we have with us Martina Tajebe from Stairs. She's currently the chief of staff at Stairs. So she'll be walking us through a few things um, that she's currently working on with her uh, organization. So uh, welcome, Martina. Hi, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so glad to be here. Thanks for thanks again for agreeing to uh, to do this with us. So I'm just going to introduce you briefly to our listeners, and I would ask that you maybe extend um, some some time to sort of share a little about your past work, your current work, etc. And then we'll go into the um, the conversation proper from there. So, so Martin, I I understand from a bit of uh, research on your background, etc., that you did your youth service in CBN, um, and then after that you went on to do like a business analyst role that was sort of fused in HR with Philips Consulting. And then you then went on to, um, to Stairs, if, 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 that's, if that all adds up. Um, yeah. And then in, in between, I think you also, you did an undergrad at Aston University and then you did a master's with the, uh, the London School of Economics. So, so maybe share a little more about yourself so that our listeners can sort of have a full grasp of, uh, of your background, etc. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you've got all the facts right. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, I did <laughs> I did start off um, my undergrad at Aston University in Birmingham in the UK. Um, that's where I did accounting. So um, I started off on the accounting route. Um, but when I got back to Nigeria to serve, um, while I did work in the CBN, I actually worked in the uh, in a subdivision within HR, actually, I worked with the pensions team. Um, so I would probably say that that was where I got, you know, I got a glimpse into HR um, and my proceeding, you know, the subsequent role um, at Philips, then um, um, it was a graduate program. I got to rotate across the different divisions and I just found myself, you know, in training, realized that actually HR seemed like a really interesting you know it seemed like an interesting role and I decided why not go get a master's in it um so I went to do that at LSC um and finished that thinking oh, okay I'm gonna get right into HR um and I got this lovely opportunity to join stairs um as a chief of staff so while it wasn't specifically HR um, it seemed like a very interesting opportunity and, you know, I'd heard about stairs, heard about the great things that they were doing and I just thought, you know, well, why not? I think your screen is for the line, I'm not sure. Um, all right. So, yeah, um, you know, you pretty much got my intro. At least you got the facts right. Um, so basically, um, as you mentioned, I started my undergrad at Aston University in Birmingham. Um, I studied accounting um, and the plan was to sort of get into the accounting track. Um, when I moved back to Nigeria for my NYC, um, I had the opportunity to serve at the CBN 
Um, ironically, I actually served within the HR unit um, of the CBN or so a subdivision within HR, so the pensions team. But that was sort of my first, you know, exposure into HR. And then following my subsequent role at Philips Consulting Limited, where I got into a graduate program and I got to rotate, I realized I really did enjoy sort of the people elements of the role. Um, and that led me to deciding to go on to do a master's in HR, um, just to learn a bit more about it. And that was what took me on to LSC, um, the London School of Economics, where I got my master's. Um, when I concluded that, I thought I was going to get into HR, but um, I had this lovely opportunity, or I was, you know, introduced to this lovely opportunity to work as a chief of staff at STAIRS. And, you know, I heard about what STAIRS was doing. I was quite interested in the company, you know, and all that they had to offer. And I was like, you know what, it seemed like a great opportunity. It seemed like I was going to be able to learn a lot. And I decided, you know, why not just take on this opportunity? And so, that's why how I found myself um, here. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to to walk us through that. That's super interesting. I actually wanted to um, to do my internship at CBN actually um, when I was when I was back in the UK as well. So I think it's super <laughs> um, that you you got to work there. And pensions is also super interesting as well. I worked for a pensions company called Aegon. Aegon. Oh, okay. Edinburgh. Um, after my after my university so yeah so i definitely understand a little about that that's yeah it's, it's something that that would have been um, that would have been different to, to work in as an intern for sure it, it definitely was it was, a, it was an interesting learning experience so so maybe you can just share a little about stairs i think i liked the we had a prior conversation i think back in april and i think i liked the way you shared um what stairs was and what you do etc so i wanted our listeners to sort of eavesdrop into that conversation um so i wanted us to 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 maybe look at that again so please if you don't mind sharing a little about what your company does etc no not me trying to like recall what i said in april like so what exactly <laughs> did i say um well i will i will try my best uh, so basically, STAIRS is a data intelligence startup. Um, our mission is very simple. It's literally to become the trusted provider of African data and insights. Um, you know, we already understand that getting data in, in Africa, in Nigeria, um, or on Africa or on Nigeria is quite difficult. Um, getting accurate data is even harder. Um, so what we are really trying to do is we want to be that one-stop shop where, you know, um, individuals, corporations can come to, to say, okay, I need to know about this particular sector, you know, within the Nigerian economy. And we'll be like, yeah, we got that data for you. We've analyzed it. We've broken it down. Here you go. Um, and then, you know, you can use it for whatever you want to use it for. Um, and so pretty much we aim to do this in... A multitude of ways. One of the more popular known ways um, we're doing this is through our Stairs Premium um, publication, which is it's pretty much you know we provide daily insights on various sectors within Nigeria, um, and it's literally just we look at the news that's out there or any information or data that's out there, 
And what we look to do is we look to break it down um, and then provide a thorough analysis as to, you know, what it is, why it is the way it is, um, and potentially just, you know, what that means. Because another thing with data is that you can have the data and not necessarily understand what it means or what to do with it. And so what we do is we try to sort of break that down and make it very, very easily understandable. Um, alternatively, we also have an advisory um, boutique option, which is kind of where we provide bespoke um, advisory um, services to multinationals, to government institutions. Um, it's quite bespoke because we focus on specific sectors, um, but you know, that's also about data collecting, analyzing that data, and then providing it in a reporting format to help those organizations make decisions that are very vital, you know, to their operations or to whatever investment that they want to, you know, do within um, Nigeria. Now, as it is at the moment, we're obviously we started in Nigeria because, you know, all our founders are Nigerian. It's it's the easiest sort of market to get into. But you know, as I told you at the beginning, our mission is to be the trusted provider of African data. So we do have plans um, and hopes to expand, you know, to the African market and you know, spread outside Nigeria. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much you know the main thing or what we're looking into um, in terms of what we're trying to do. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for, for that insight, Philip. Yes, because I think a lot of people understand that, yes, you do um, research, you do you do a lot of write-ups, et cetera, on like trendy topics or things that you basically just pick up a subject matter that the country is discussing and then you zoom yeah. it and open it up for everybody to be able to understand the, the details yeah. of, and the nuances between, um, you know, the entities, et cetera. So that's a, that's a super interesting. Thanks for for sharing that. So maybe let's pry a little into stairs data then and uh, maybe understand, um, maybe maybe you can share how many subscribers you currently have, if you can share, and also maybe what people are reading and maybe a little about why people are reading what they're reading, etc. Um, so in terms of the actual subscriber number, that is something that I currently can't disclose. Um, so, you know, you're just going to have to take your own guess, <laughs> but in terms of what people are mostly reading, um, we have a lot of interest, you know, in, um, economic issues within Nigeria. Um, obviously there is that focus on wanting to know, okay, what exactly is going on in Nigeria and what does that mean for us? All these policies, um, there is a huge interest in our CBN content because you know the CBN is always coming up with new policies they're always you know pushing out new new reforms etc so people are trying to understand what exactly is this yeah. what does it mean um and i think you know that pretty much answers the why it's just as i mentioned earlier the thing with data is that on information is it's available but sometimes you don't understand what it means you know just because it's 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 there doesn't mean that it makes sense so I think that's probably why uh, people are always very much interested, especially with, with our CBN content, because they want to understand why exactly did the CBN do this? And what exactly does that mean for the Nigerian economy, for the Nigerian people? Is it actually going to benefit us? Or is it just, you know, the, is it not going to have any effect whatsoever? 
so yeah that's that's pretty much it <laughs> okay yeah I, I agree i think that i think that that makes a lot of sense that adds up definitely for a lay person like like myself and maybe a few people in the audience as well um because yeah i think with the whole you can't purchase things with dollar with your naira card you have to buy dollar and then it's not available from the bank you have to buy it possibly from you know from the parallel yeah. etc so so there's a lot of that that people are trying to understand so i, I definitely understand that so so maybe you can share a little about you in terms of like what sort of article has really you know been interesting for you to look at from stairs and maybe point a few of our listeners in that direction as well <laughs> something insightful to read um so interesting enough for you to say you know um yourself as a layman i honestly like to believe i'm also part of that group um and which was why it was very interesting for me like i tend to kind of come into work and maybe i've heard something and i literally just go to someone within our newsroom and i'm like so yeah i heard about this thing i have no idea what it means i have no idea what you know can you explain why why is this happening you know it's not making sense to me and um they're usually very helpful um in terms of you know an article that um, that I have read that really sort of resonated with me or I really enjoyed the insights I got from. Um, I actually have a personal interest in education, um, especially, I, I'm not necessarily doing anything about it at the moment, but, you know, especially sort of just the Nigerian education, education system. I sometimes see how it is and I just have a lot of questions as to why we're not doing better um, and how it can be improved. And there was actually a particular um, article that it was more the title that got me really interested in it. Um, and it was basically the article on Nigerian University should charge rich kids more. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I remember when we published that particular article and I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, OK, I wonder how we're, you know, what angle we're coming at this from. And I read the article and I really, I really resonated with it and I could see how like what an interesting concept it was bringing forth so it basically spoke about the current U.S. model um, U U.S. university model which is a sticker sticker price um, net price model whereby basically the U.S. has a sticker price which is what is advertised on their sites um, but the actual price that people pay or their students pay, which is the net price, varies. Um, it varies based on different conditions. So, you know, the the um, the social, um, basically the the, the um, income uh, yeah. of the, the background, you know, where you're from, things like that. And it made so much sense to me, you know, because I was like, to be fair, you need money to be able to provide quality education. So, but you can't charge everybody the amount of money you need, you know. So what we currently have within the Nigerian university, especially public university, um, this is a focus on public universities, is that, you know, they're charging um, really small amounts so that a lot of people can go to university. But realistically, these small amounts that they're charging aren't allowing them to actually provide the type of quality education they need, you know. So it's like, okay, why don't we actually charge the amount we need, but vary the amount that people pay? 
Um, now, you know, this article broke down what the U.S. currently does, but it also tries to view it in the Nigerian context. And it also, what I liked about the article is that it wasn't like, oh yeah, Nigerians, Nigeria should come and do this. It realistically said that to be fair, these are the problems that will probably, you know, that will arise if Nigeria tried to do it. These are things that they would have to think about. Um, I won't, you know, continue to bore you about the actual details. If you are interested, feel free to go read the article. But for me, you know, just getting that insight about it really, you know, got my mind, you know, got my wheels turning and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And that makes so much sense. So, yeah. No, no, I think it's definitely interesting. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't boring at all. I think <laughs> it's definitely something I would want to, I'd want to take time out and actually look at because that's something that we haven't discussed um, in this country. And I think everyone just wants the prices of everything to just keep going lower and lower. Um, and maybe at some stage, we have to just sort of figure out, well, how are we going to pay for this? And yes, there's a lot of issues with the funds, etc. cetera. Um, that's another podcast. But, uh, but I, think, I think it's definitely an interesting perspective that uh, hopefully the right people find it and, and maybe start acting in that. In that hopefully. <laughs> So, so going into your role, um, I know that you've been as like chief of staff for Steers for about a year going in now. Um, yeah. So, I have seen I I have seen like the role chief of staff in a few organizations begin to come up. I think at first it started out in politics, where yeah. uh, <laughs> like a governor or a, or a senator or a president would have a chief of staff. So. I'm, I'm trying to sort of get my own, own understanding of the role because I know that you have a bit of a background in HR. You also have a bit of a background in business analytics, etc. So I wanted to to find out, and hopefully a few of my listeners as well, a few of our listeners to sort of understand a little about what a chief of staff is and what it does. And I know that yes, for a chief of staff for Steers would be different from a chief of staff elsewhere as well. So, yeah, so maybe just walk us through a little about your role. Yeah, um, you know, that last statement you made was very, very accurate. Um, the chief of staff role varies, can vary significantly depending on the organization or the executive that, you know, is using um, the chief of staff or that has the chief of staff. And that was something, you know, that was one of, one of the first things I learned um, sort of after having worked, um, you know, in the role for quite a bit. Because it's not it's not a role that you know that's is one size fits all. Basically, it's a role that's just it, it's very flexible. Um, now, when I speak about when I think about a chief of staff role in my context, what I do within stairs, um, honestly, my main focus. I, I literally like to say whenever people ask me, okay, so what do you do as the chief of staff? I'm like literally my main focus, my main goal is to make the CEO's life easier. Like <laughs> I am there to sort of be that barrier to kind of help him focus on what he needs to focus on and, you know, block out all the external background noise. Um, whatever, regardless of what that requires me to, you know, to be involved in. So whether in me, it means I have to be dealing with um, accounting matters or legal matters or operational people you know, or even admin matters. So anything that eventually, you know, someone feels like, oh, okay, we want to get the CEO's, um, you know, input on, um, I kind of come and act as that buffer to say, okay, actually, can we 
what do you need? You know, is it something I could potentially just end up doing for you or providing assistance? And if it's not, I try and filter all the information to the bare minimum to like the highest level possible so that when we are taking that information to him, it is almost at decision-making level. So we're literally just going to him saying, okay, this issue came up. These were the things that we thought up. Um, we need you to just sort of make a final decision. Um, and what that pretty much means um, is that at the end of it, you know, he's getting just high level information and he doesn't really have to focus on the details. Um, and then, you know, all he just has to do is just make decisions. And it's, it allows him to focus on the more strategic, you know, company-wide um, issues. So I kind of like to see myself as the jack of all trades. Yeah. You know, I sit down, I think about my undergrad <laughs> degrees in accounting, thinking that, oh, I'm never going to use this again. And actually, you know, it has become such a benefit to me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, no, definitely. I think I think that sounds like a chief of staff, though, to me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because if I think of, like, Rob Emanuel or someone with Barack Obama, I would assume yeah. that's, like, his job to make you know, Obama's life easier. So he's just focused on like high level, et cetera. So, so yeah, I think, I think maybe we're on the right path with that one. <laughs> so definitely, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to, to share that. So, but it must be very demanding, right? It must be like you're wearing different hats or doing different roles. Um, Cause I know that as CEO, uh, most CEOs have to sort of do a bit of everything, you know, yeah. you can't put them in a bracket. So, so I'm assuming yours as, as chief of staff as well is also super demanding. You're stretched in all directions. Um, so how do you find balance? So what do you do for balance? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I will be honest and say I'm still trying to figure it out because every time you feel like you found something that works, um, because of the sort of dynamic nature of one, being you know working in a startup and to the role itself you know working um working with the ceo a there there's there's what's what's working for me one time doesn't work you know it might not be working in a few months um but something that i think has stayed constant and i just try to maintain where possible is um first of all at the beginning of my day i as you said, I tend to wear a lot of different hats. And so when you're wearing a lot of different hats, it's very easy for you. It, it, it's hard to focus on one thing. So what I try and do is I try and sort of organize my day into or organize my tasks into the different sectors or into the different sort of areas that they're concerned. Um, so that way, you know, it's not just a list of to do's. It's literally like sectioned into, okay, these are to do's for accounting related matters. These are to do's for legal related matters, et cetera. Um, and I find that that's very helpful because what then happens is that, you know, I'm able to try and focus on matters regarding specific areas. And if possible, just trying to complete those before I move on to another area. So I'm not just jumping all around the place. Um, there was actually a period where I attempted to section out my, my, my daily calendar, where it was like, I actually set out time blocks, um, you know, and I was like, okay, from nine to, from, from nine to 10, I'm doing work on this. From 10 to one, I'm doing work on this. 
Um, that worked for a bit, but then I kind of moved out of it. Um, and then I also, I, communication is such a big thing as well. I think that communication is very, very important because the role can get quite, you know, it, it's a stretchy role. It can get quite overwhelming sometimes. And I feel like it's very, very important. Um, something that I personally think is important is the ability to sort of communicate that um, whereby it's like, okay, you know what, this, uh, you know, whether it's a conversation, it, it depends on what the situation is. Sometimes it's a conversation I might have with the CEO. Sometimes it's a conversation that I might have with my other direct team where it's like, okay, this is where I currently am. I am actually at full capacity. So I do not have the capacity to take on any additional work at this moment, you know, because it's very, very important to learn when to say no, or when to say, you know what, I can't do it at this moment. So if it's very important, then maybe, you know, could you find somebody else? Or maybe we can look at my current, you know, workload and see what we can shuffle around so that I can accommodate it. Um, and that's something that I have found has been very, very helpful for me um, because it's it's really important. If not, what you're going to find yourself doing is constantly saying yes. And you just, you know, you just don't have the time um, <laughs> because there's so many hours in a day and there's only so much you can actually get done um, within those hours. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I've managed to deal with it. True. I, I certainly agree. I think I think that uh, that's spot on. So sort of compartmentalizing. Um, so yeah. put it in like different departments in, <laughs> on your desk and say, okay, I'm going to focus on legal, I'm going to focus on HR matters, I'm going to focus on accounting issues, etc. Um, and then if yeah. you're at capacity, then you let your team know and then, and then they can maybe help you prioritize a few of the other tasks or they can shuffle mm -hmm. um, in the organization. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I certainly agree, and I think that's super useful. I, I have to go back and rewatch a few of these things um, to, to note down some things. So that's definitely um, something I need to put into play for sure. So, yeah. so I, I, I was going to ask, um, I don't know if you've come across this prior, but I know that you do have, a, well, Stairs and yourself do have a very strong reputation. Um, so I have had a lot of interviews because I run several organizations where a lot of people have just mentioned stairs in like the best of light. Like it's just this like, <laughs> yeah, just like this like place that everyone wants to work for. So I wanted to ask, maybe um, you could share a little about the magic ingredient behind the scenes that uh, that you guys have cooking that makes people want to work for for your company. Well, when you say magic ingredient, <laughs> I don't know that there's a magic ingredient per se. Um, but, you know, when I think about, you know, what you've asked, um, something comes to mind. Um, at Stairs, culture is key. Like, culture is a very, very important, um, it's, a, it's a very important part of us. Um, I like to believe we live, like, and this is across the board. Um, I like to believe we live, breathe, and, like, eat, you know, the Stairs culture. Um, and we're just very, very intentional about, you know, um, about maintaining that culture. And, you know, this starts from right from the recruitment process. You know, we, we ensure we're not just looking for somebody that's technically 
competent or technical you know a technical fit we also want someone that's also a cultural fit because you know there's already an existing culture and we don't want that to we, we never want that to be watered down and you know we also want whoever is coming you know externally into the company to literally just come in and like feel like they're part of the family um and so that's that that's something that i feel like is you know something that we really focus on because um something you know something that i heard is that whether you are intentional or not about it culture will exist so we spend we take our time to try and build and be intentional about our culture so that you know it's not just any random culture that's built within the organization um it's something that we actually we are actually proud of and i think that that is probably what has helped us maintain such a good sort of you know good reputable brand or at least i like to believe that it has had its hand um in it definitely i think i think that's that's well said i think culture is so underrated in our culture as well so so yeah i think that's that's really well well said because i i definitely agree so so last question before i let you go what should we be looking forward to from stairs with the upcoming elections for for next year um so yeah you know i actually um forgot to mention that at the beginning you know um and i think this is something i i mentioned in our earlier conversation but um in 2019 stairs um made you know we attempted to basically report the results for the 2019 election and what we were trying to get out of that was it wasn't just reporting the re- results but reporting it um with a focus on data visualization so we wanted it to be it wasn't just putting out the numbers we wanted to put out the numbers but we also wanted to report it in a way that was visually appealing and also easily understandable so that you could kind of make comparisons and um surprisingly enough that was quite you know that was quite a hit and so we decided you know what we're definitely going to you know try this again and that's what we're we're currently working on um as you know the 2020 2023 elections quietly creep in um so what we're doing is you know um if i could break it down into like three key things is one we are relaunching the stairs election which is supposed to be or which is going to be a data site that allows people to follow the ex- election at a federal and state level um so you know once again that focus on data visualization um reporting accurate and prompt information for you know for everyone to easily access um the second thing we're doing is we're innovating we're trying to be innovative in the field um of polling we want to basically aggregate public opinion on the election so everybody you know has something to say about it everyone has an opinion as to what exactly is going to happen or what they think is going to happen or what they want to happen and what we want to do is we're going to literally push out you know push out um surveys to get public opinion aggregate that data and then present it you know to the public so that people get to know okay this is how this is how people are thinking um and you know we're trying to do this in a, in a, an as innovative a manner as possible um and then last thing you know as i said 
we wouldn't be stairs if we did not provide insights. Um, and so what we are doing is, you know, our trademark trademark analysis. Um, and we're doing this through a flagship initiative, which is called 2524 series. Um, and this is um, an election focused, um, this basically an election focused, um, election focused articles analyzing, you know, the different data information about the about elections, um, the Nigerian elections. Now 2524 actually um, came from basically, you know, in Nigeria, you need 25% of popular votes in at least 24 states in Nigeria to become the president. So that was what, you know, sort of inspired that, you know, that title. And it's um, something that's being covered by Faye following me. Um, so yeah, those are like, when I think about what we're looking to do in terms of the upcoming elections, those are the three um, main things that we're looking to get into. Okay, okay. Thanks, thanks so much for taking the time to detail um, all of that. Just to just to sort of confirm, would we be able to get access to those um, those links for the for the elections yet, or those are still? In the um, so the articles are available. Um, they're available on our stairs. Um, it's a you know it's 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 available to our subscribers on our stairs premium website on our stairs website. Um, that's something I can, you know, always shoot you a link to. In terms of the election data site, that is something that is currently in the works. And once it is available, once it's complete and available, we will definitely be, <laughs> we will definitely be pushing it out on our different um, platforms. Um, and that will be made available um, to the general public. Okay. Thank you so, so much for being a wonderful guest. Matinata Jade, we're we're so happy. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Join us. And we learned so much from you as well. And we hope that you get to come back again soon. Hopefully. Um, yeah, definitely enjoyed being here and just sort of talking about, you know, stairs and um, my role as a CEOS. So um, thanks so much for having me again. <laughs> Thank you.